Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for today's Practice Journey podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members share their career journeys, highlighting notable aha moments along the way. My name is Melanie Smith, and I am the director of the ASHP section of Ambulatory Care Practitioners. With me today is Alshon Bryant, the DMV Strategic Response Team Pharmacist and Prep Wellness Provider at the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. He is also the president-elect of the Washington, D.C. Pharmacy Association. So thank you so much for joining me today, Alshon. Melanie, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is going to be a fun conversation, and we are going to be talking about It's a Balancing Act, Cultivating Passions in and Outside of the Pharmacy Profession. So Alshon, to start off, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background about your current practice site and your professional responsibilities? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I definitely want to thank you and thank ASHP for the opportunity to even share some of my journey with listeners today. And um, it's kind of crazy because sometimes I wonder, you know, how did this little kid from the country roads of little old Waycross, Georgia get here, you know? Um, so I'm definitely grateful and filled with gratitude for this moment. So yeah, as you briefly mentioned in my bio, I currently serve as the strategic response team clinical pharmacist. Um, also, you'll be hearing me reference that as SRT pharmacist with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation for the DC, Maryland and Virginia region. So for those of you who may not be aware of who we are, the AIDS Healthcare Foundation is a nonprofit and we provide cutting edge medicine and advocacy for patients, regardless of their ability to pay. To give a little bit more context on a more macro level, I'd say we service a bit over one and a half million patients at close to, if not a little over 900 healthcare clinics and wellness centers in 45 countries. And out of the 45 countries, that includes 17 of the United States, DC and Puerto Rico. And we have a little over 60 pharmacies domestically that service most of our patients as well. So that's just to give an overall context. So for me personally, I really enjoy my position as SRT because I'm able to use both my HIV clinical expertise and creative skill sets to deliver optimal health services to patients. And it also puts me in a really, really cool position to spearhead and support initiatives that promote wellness while building strong partnerships within communities of need. So in addition to that, through a collaborative practice agreement with our Department of Medicine, I'm also the HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis, also known as PrEP, provider for two of our wellness clinics in D.C. and in Maryland. And this allows me to serve a dual role, which is pretty cool. So I'm able to be not only the patient's provider and prescribe PrEP therapy, but I'm also able to be their pharmacist and engage in medication therapy management. And lastly, I'd say that um, within the last almost year now that I've been in this role, I've been able to optimize my relationships with a few colleges of pharmacy, and I hope to become an AMCARE and public health preset and site pretty soon. So that gives you a brief overview of the type of work that I'm doing in my current role. I love that. And you're extremely busy. And I don't know how you manage it all because AIDS and HIV, that's such a niche area of practice. So and you have to have a yeah. heart for that kind of work. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'd say that for me, I knew that I wanted to do this type of work since 2008. So I want to say that was my P3 year of pharmacy school. And I had a really cool opportunity to go to um, Ghana and work at their food and drug board and do some cool work there on the anti-malaria medication portfolio. And so then I knew I wanted to do public health. 
But it wasn't until my P4 year that I knew I wanted to do um, HIV work because I worked at the Leon County Health Department and focused on HIV care for underrepresented communities. So. All right. So you've kind of transitioned into topic number two, but you've mentioned pharmacy school a couple of times. Why don't you let the listeners know where you went to pharmacy school? Oh, I went to the one and only Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University College of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences on the highest of seven hills of Tallahassee, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I know you have such pride in where you went to school. So I needed you needed to give you the opportunity to shout out FAMU. I appreciate Um, that. (laughs) Yes. One of the six HBCU colleges of pharmacy. Gotta love it. So you've kind of alluded to this, but was your current area of practice something you were always interested in? I know you mentioned going to Ghana and then um, public health, but like, how did you decide that this was right for you? That's a really good question. You know, how did I know that this was right for me? You know, I have to say that growing up, I would always find myself getting into just random stuff, you know, (laughs) whether it was creating something as a kid or hearing about a really, really cool experience and putting my best foot forward to go at it. Um, Even to this day, I can guarantee that my mom says, boy, you just don't do anything regular, do you? Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, she says it at least like once a month, you know. <laughs> but to that point, you know, I grew, I grew up believing that um, whatever whatever career path I chose, my approach wouldn't be necessarily the conventional way. So, to the point of how I ended up in pharmacy, science and math were always subjects that came to me naturally, and I've always been one who enjoyed learning about people and re- what really makes people tick. So those things being considered, a career in healthcare had always been a strong consideration, but I wasn't quite sure what field um, necessarily I was going to really focus on. Because if I'm totally honest, the entertainment arts was and kind of still is a very strong passion of mine. Right. From singing to dancing to writing poetry, those are all type of things that occupy most of my spare time. And had I known then how I could make a solid career out of it, to be honest, perhaps my story would be a little bit different, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm one that always believes that everything happens for a reason. And as fate would have it, music is partly responsible for me going to pharmacy school in the first place. (laughs) Okay. How how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So when I decided that I wanted to attend a historically black college university, also, like you said before, it's called HBCU. I started researching schools that had great healthcare programs and music programs. And so FAMU was the one who catered to both sides of myself. And so because I was in band for most of my life, I went to FAMU on a partial band scholarship. Okay. And so that was my intro into both the music side of FAMU and the pharmacy side, because I did, of course, apply for pharmacy, the six-year pharmacy school um, at the time. So that's how I ended up going to FAM and how music actually played a part to me becoming a pharmacist. Okay, but, um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. And I, I'd also say that FAM... Like we said before, they gave me the opportunity to be a summer research fellow with the Food and Drug Board of Ghana, and it introduced me to public health uh, and HIV um, serving underrepresented communities. So I say those two experiences kind of set the trajectory of how I wanted to navigate my professional landscape as a pharmacist. And since completing residency, now that I think about it, I've consistently landed roles in the nonprofit HIV space where I serve communities most impacted by health disparities. So I'm really, really grateful for the path that I'm on. And just listening to you talk about it, you can hear that you have such a heart for this work. So I know that you're serving your patients very well. 
So I, I, I know you personally, and I know that you have, mm-hmm. you've kind of alluded to this, you have big passions and things outside of pharmacy. So why don't you let the listeners know some of the things that you're involved with outside of pharmacy? And how do you find the time to work on those passions, but also ensure that you're taking care of yourself and your patients? Great question. And as the topic alludes, it is a balancing act. <laughs> <laughs> it is it can be quite the challenge, but I'm so passionate about, you know, patient care and the health and well-being of people. And I'm as equally passionate about the entertainment arts, music and things of that nature. So to the point of the things that I do outside of pharmacy, um, I've been able to write music and sing music as an artist, uh, mm-hmm. write music for sync placements, sync placements being um, for mute movies and films and things like that. And I also write music for myself. Nice. So it's a really, really cool situation to be in. Um, something that I've always dreamt of doing, but never really understood how it would all make sense. In addition to that, I also play snare drum on the Washington football team. Well, Washington Commander, excuse me. Yeah, the name, <laughs> the name, the name keeps changing. The name keeps changing. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but I think we're good now. I think we're good (laughs) with the commanders. So um, uh, a snare drummer on the Washington Commanders drumline, I've been doing that now for a total of six years. So that's been really liberating because when I was at FAMU, even though I was on a partial band scholarship, it had gotten to a point where in order for me to really excel academically, I knew that I would not be able to give as much energy to the marching band as I wanted to then. So it was something that I had to forfeit. But of course, to keep my band scholarship, I still did percussion ensemble and symphonic band and things like that. Okay. So it's really cool that now I'm a pharmacist, um, that things have come full circle to where I can still go back to that passion that led me to FAMU in the first place, but on a larger platform with the NFL. So it's really cool to be on that type of gridiron, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I look at your social media and you look you, like you're having so much fun yeah. and, that, and you completely defy the image of the nerdy pharmacist. Like if you're yeah. looking at you in your marching band uniform, like you would never know that there's this other side to you that has the heart for patient care and indigenous populations and things like that. So like you said, it's a balancing act. It definitely is. It definitely is. And it's a lot of work because at one point I really didn't know how to make it all make sense, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, working nine to five. And then it's like, so where does the music and the passion for the arts come into play? And so over time, of course, I was able to kind of find that sweet spot. And of course, it doesn't come without the sacrifice of losing sleep from time to time, especially whenever there are deadlines for the music space. Mm -hmm. And speaking of music, I have to have to have to shout out the Star Makers production music team that I work with here in the D.C. area, a great group of singers, songwriters, producers um, that I'm so glad to call family. And so it, it really comes with a lot of sacrifice, you know, especially whenever I was, you know, 10 toes down and we have several movies that we have to turn over. There would be days that, you know, after work, I would go into the studio eight, nine o'clock and I probably wouldn't leave until 2.30 or so in the morning and get right back up to do it all over again to be back at right. work and serve patients, you know? So it's definitely that thing to find the balance for yourself and what works for you and um, just make it all make sense so that you can really both do the thing that you're called to do on the professional side and then be liberated by the passion that you have um, after five o'clock. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about aha moments. So we've all had those moments in life or along our career journey that have helped define us and shape the impact that we want to have on either practice or your passions, your side hustles, your learners, your families. And I, I like to call them, you know, aha moments. So can you describe one of those moments and was it something that you expected and how did you respond to it? Hmm. Well, Melanie, I think that's a pretty loaded question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that what actually shaped the impact I want to have in healthcare is more so the result of my upbringing than a particular moment. Okay. Um, one of the things I discussed in my chapter of the book, I Wear a White Coat by my good friend, Dr. Erica Heilig, was my journey from Mickey D's to PharmD mm. and the self-determination it took to navigate that process. Additionally, growing up in South Georgia, as I mentioned before, you know, hospitality and relatability, those are two traits that I unknowingly kind of developed. Um, the values of treating others the way you want to be treated and loving your neighbors yourself, you know, those type of things. And I've been able to incorporate those tenets and lessons learned from, frankly, working at McDonald's for about five years into my interactions with my patients to the point where I don't necessarily see them as my patients, but I see them as, a, you know, a cousin or a brother, mm -hmm. sister, grandparent, you know. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this gives my patients and I the ability to connect in real ways, which makes the professional side of my job a bit easier. And I've literally had patients and students, to your point earlier, tell me that they forget that I'm a pharmacist because I'm right. so laid back and I take the time to truly understand who they are as people first. So I aim to make sure I keep that posture during every encounter. Absolutely. And I completely agree with that. I think personally for myself, that's sort of like the impact that I wanted to have on, mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm my, I am Melanie in every situation. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like you're being Elshon in every situation that you um, encounter. So I love I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So let's talk about what we've all been through during the last two years from COVID to vaccinations, to social justice movement. I know, particularly here in the D.C. area, we've been through a lot. So how have you yeah. responded and what changes have you implemented both in practice and if you feel like sharing in your personal life? And what have you learned about yourself during this time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Melanie, you're really coming with the heavy hitters, huh? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, this is really good. Um, you know, these last two years have really been, um, I'd say, a cyclical process mm. of defining and refining not only myself, but also my approach to life, you know? Right, right. I mean, literally, sometimes I sit down and I think about, you know, what I've been through these last couple of years. And I ask myself, like, was this really a thing? Right. <laughs> like, was me driving to work on deserted downtown streets of D.C.? while the world was literally peeking through their blinds, wondering if the outside would ever open again. Like, was that a thing? Right. Um, the impact or navigating the stress of my now healthy mother, thankfully, as she caught an intense case of COVID at the start of the pandemic, when both the disease and treatment were so unclear, you know, like, was that a thing? Right. And then I sit down and I think about, you know, from Ahmaud Arbery, who actually lived not too far from where I'm from, Oh, wow. And to George Floyd and to Breonna Taylor and so many others in 2020 alone, right. you know, like, was that really a thing? And as crazy as it sounds, sadly, it's all true. And I actually live through these moments that are guaranteed to be in textbooks for our children to read about and, and learn from for years to come, you know. 
And honestly, considering these things and so much more, it took a lot for me to simply show up, <laughs> exactly, you know, and, and be present, not only for myself as a black man living in America, but also for my mother who leaned on me during perhaps one of the most turbulent times of her life and for my colleagues and patients who at right. the time, you know, looked to me to be light and inspiration amid so much uncertainty. So it was a lot that I, to digest and quite frankly, it still is. So besides, I'd say besides my faith, I turned to things that I knew would make me feel invincible. And at that time, it was music and writing. Mm. So though the creative process or expression was not the end all answer to these um, harsh realities at the time, it definitely gave me space to leave my worries at the door, get things from off my chest and onto a piece of paper or on a music track. So I could then have margin to be more available for everything that was going on. Mm. And this was almost on a daily basis. So like I said before, don't get me wrong, working nine to five and then going to the studio or writing, that was a lot of work, but the balance was liberating. Um, and I'd say, I'd veer to say that um, this moment in time, these last two years was probably the most creative that I've been in a while oh, and wow. very okay. rewarding to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, I'd say within these last two years that had I'd officially become a contributing author for a book that actually speaks to the journey of me becoming a pharmacist, one. And then two, like I said previously, I received almost 20 music placements in movies and TV shows that include like BT, Tubi, and even Netflix. So um, I'd say that those are some of the ways that I was able to kind of balance everything that was going on. And, oh yeah, you also asked, you know, what I learned through it all. Needless to say, I learned a lot. I'll start yeah. there. <laughs> but for one, mental health is important. Absolutely. And I have to say that again, mental health is very important. And therapy is something I believe anyone can benefit from. Mm -hmm. Because if we were really honest with ourselves, Mel, we as a nation are still working our way out of the failed clutch of circumstance. So above all, I think that I've been reminded of the importance of giving even more love, showing even more empathy, and just simply finding ways to make every moment in my life count. Yes, I love all that. So healthy processing, recognizing there's a problem, talking it out, therapy is key. And I think that this, this time period, especially within the Black community, we've really opened up to the idea of mental health Yes. And preserving it and talking about it versus, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we were just, we would all just try to be strong and hold it in. And, you know, but now we have been yeah. given the space to, you know, admit that we, there are some weaknesses and we can work through them. So I love to well, hear that you've been, you've been able to tackle that. Yeah. And I'd even say, you know, there are weaknesses, but even in identifying the weakness, there is strength there, you know? Yes. Like, yes. like pinpoint that so we can kind of, you know, grow from that space. Uh, I think that's really important. When you say weaknesses, it really made me think about that. Yes. So last question. So in your opinion, what does the future of pharmacy look like? And how much of everything that we've been through, particularly in the last you know couple of years, um, should be implemented as we move forward? Hmm. I'm quite the optimist. And so I'd say that our future can be as vast and bright as we make it, but it's going to take a collective effort to make it happen. You know, yes. 
as you alluded to earlier, as the incoming president of the DC Pharmacy Association, one of our top priorities is provider status for pharmacists. You know, for me, working under collaborative practice as a provider gives me great vision as to how pharmacists could actually redefine the way we view primary care in healthcare as we currently know it. We have both the clinical and medication knowledge when you think about it. We have the accessibility, we have the patient trust, but what we don't have is provider status on the federal level. But it's something that's doable, but it takes a continuing, us continuing to lobby for the change that we wanna see at local levels and not getting weary about it. And it also takes organizations like your ASHPs and your APHAs to give pharmacists the resources that we all need so desperately so that we can feel supported and so that we have the energy to do the work toward the said change, right? Mm-hmm. So with the impending you know, primary care physician shortages in years to come, that's kind of been talked about. There's no better time than now for us to fill the void as primary care providers. And if we continue to capitalize on our momentum gained from the frontline achievements during pandemic, we had the opportunity to really make history. So I'm really excited to see how this story unfolds. I love that. And I think that's a great place for our conversation to end. We'll put a period at the end of it with that thought. So thank you, Alshon, so much for joining me today to discuss It's a Balancing Act, cultivating passions in and outside of the pharmacy profession, and sharing both your professional and your personal perspectives. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.